opportunity is huge. It's a huge opportunity. When I really get into a deep space like that, it's magical. Like I, I can have profound experiences and emotions and feelings when I'm in that space. But I just, it, it doesn't compare to when like, hey, I solved this logic puzzle, right? Or I did this task. I mean, yeah, okay, that's cool. But like when I really get deep into a into that soul space, it's it's magical. I like I like that word magic. It's it's like beyond logic. And when you get right down to the core of your being, you're more in touch with yourself, I think, and connected with everything. Effort, attitude, enthusiasm, and love. No matter what you do in this life, if you pour those things into it, any ecosystem is going to find a way to keep you. I like getting people together, and I've seen firsthand like the the benefits of, uh, especially with like low frequency sound, getting people into a space, um, having high amplitude, low frequency sound, getting everyone on the same wavelength, and just letting people have a safe and fun environment to express themselves in. Um, I think that that's like transformative, and to be able to kind of provide provide that experience to people is ultimately something that I like can't imagine life without. All right. So here we are. We got Dixon's violin on the weird music podcast for anyone out there who isn't familiar. Dixon is a genius. Um, not only with the violin, but with his whole, whole approach to, to art, really. Uh, he's done quite a bit of work building his own instrument. He does solo live looping. Dixon's done TED Talks. Dixon's a part of the Burning Man tradition, Electric Forest tradition. Uh, definitely super grateful to have such a, such a great mind here to kind of open up different doors for us here on the Weird Music Podcast. So Dixon, uh, start this out. I had just a very dreamlike experience at my last Dixon's violin show. Uh, I'll save the words for you to kind of take us through, but what do you think it's like to be in, in the crowd of a Dixon's violin show? Ah, that's a great question. I hope it's different for everybody. I love that. I, so, by the way, and I'm a huge, weird, huge weird music fan too. So yeah, I'm a Burning Man person, Electric Forest, TED Talks, but also weird music fan too. So that's, that's got to be top on the list there. The idea of weird and unique and off the beaten path is really uh, its core to my being. I spent so many years trying to be normal and now I'm embracing the weird. And so what I do is, is so off the beaten path. It's so, I, it's tough when I'm forced to categorize it. Like if I'm, if I'm uploading my music into some system and they're like, pick from this drop-down list, what genre are you? And I'm like, I don't know, none, none of those fit, none of those fit. And so I've, I've been owning it. I've been unabashedly, unashamedly saying, you know what, what I do is different. Nobody else is doing this. I'm going to do my own weird thing and, and see what happens. And so to get back to your question, what's it like for the audience? I hope for one person, they're just like, whoa, the, the, the tools you're using are so cool. And for another person, they're like, whoa, the soundscape, I, I, I don't know where to place this. And for another person, they're, 
they're like going in this really weird emotional journey and you know all over the and, so, and others might be dancing other or hula hooping or or doing yoga or I, I like to say I've literally had people stand on their heads uh, in the audience because they have it's so much fun and I very much encourage people uh, I, I if I remember I always will tell people in the beginning of the set I'm like hey folks this is be yourself zone you do your thing I'm going to do my thing you do your thing so if you want to if you want to sit cool if you want to dance cool if you want to meditate cool if you want to stand on your head cool hula hoop whatever it is um, and then because I'm trying to give permission right and it's in, for myself as well I'm trying to give permission to be yourself so with live looping you know you've got this uniquely you approach pretty profound haven't seen much else like it and I, I want to talk to you about what you think you're doing on stage impacts people like psychologically mm. so like breaking that down what do you think's happening yeah. looking straight up not really as much into the experience, but, but into the brain of the listener, like psychologically, what do you think your music does to the listener? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I hope it's inspiring. My, and part of, part of my journey has been trying to get out of my head. I spent so much time in my head. Like I'm a, I'm a heady guy. I'm a logical, my background was not music. Uh, not this kind of music anyway. My background was technology. I had a super serious technology career. I spent most of my life in tech, you know, corporate America. I was logic dude. I got a master's degree in computer science. I got a patent in virtual reality. Like I, I spent so much time in my head, in my head, in my head. And it wasn't until I went to a festival that it changed my life, right? I went to a festival. My first festival was 2005. And when I find myself surrounded by people that were in their heart space, people that were in their emotional space, people that were in their feeling and being and flowing and emoting and just, and living, right? That I realized I wasn't, I was always in my head. And so I've been practicing getting out of my head. I've been practicing getting into more of an emotional flow, soul, spirit space, and not just in my head. I am trying to lead by example. When I get on stage, I'm trying my hardest to get out of my own head, to get into a flow space, a feeling space, and, and show that. Like, here's because a violin, by the way, can be, not always, but it can be a very brainy instrument, right? The way I played it, because I was doing tech, but as a hobby, I was playing classical music, which is a very brainy kind of music right it's all about technique and the notes and the scales and the rigor and the this just the it's a very masculine approach it's a it's a very rigid uh you know there's a right way and there's a wrong way and we were judged and ranked and and categorized and boxed and it's just oh, it's a really tough energetic space to be in and it so i escaped from that Right. So after this first festival that I went to, it just blew me open, right? Just changed my life. And so I've been delighting in getting into the feeling space and improvising. So I'm hoping what's happening with people in the audience is, yeah, they might start with thinking about the tools or the toys or the technique or the buttons. Usually it's more of a bittersweet and it's, it's, it's on an edge 
Uh, very often, if if uh, the flow is right for me and for the audience, uh, very often people will be in tears. And it's it's this fabulous opportunity to really get into your heart space and really feel and open up. So I'm hoping that's what's happening psychologically for the audience is they're letting go of their mind so much. You know, you can come back to your brain later. But for now, let's just just really deeply, deeply, deeply feel it. So the opportunity is huge. It's a huge opportunity. Because when I, when I really get into a deep space like that, it's magical. Like I, I can have profound experiences and emotions and feelings when I'm in that space that I just, it, it doesn't compare to when like, hey, I solved this logic puzzle. Right. Or I did this task. I mean, yeah, okay, that's cool. But like when I really get deep into a into that soul space, um, it's it's magical. I like I like that word magic. It's it's like beyond uh logic, it's beyond like um to borrow the words of my beloved, it's beyond the 3D reality that we are presumed to be in. And I suppose that's part of our reality, but there's more. And when you get right down to the core of your being, you are beyond the, the, this 3D of reality. You're, you're um, more in touch with yourself, I think, and connected with everything, if, if the magic things happen. So that's big, and it doesn't always happen. That's my goal, right? And I work so hard to try and allow that possibility, right? Whether it happens or not, I have no control over, but I can, I can do my best to offer that possibility and the hope that that happens. There's certainly things that can prevent it, right? So there can be things that go wrong uh, and it kind of cracks the container, it cracks the, uh, the fourth wall or it um, distracts. But man, if, uh, if that can happen, then it's magical and, and uh, it just, makes all the work worth it. As you've been encouraging yourself to be more vulnerable, what have been the greatest benefits of that? You know what it reminds me of is, is back when I was in the corporate world, I often felt like I had two different versions of me. Like I would go into the office and I, it was like I had to put this mask on, right? I'd have to, I'd have, well, first of all, I'd have to dress up, right? I'd have to wear slacks and a button-down shirt. <laughs> right sometimes a tie and we would talk business stuff and never really talk about real stuff like human emotion stuff that that almost never came up um, and then at the end of the day i'd come home and then i could like have the other me right where it's a little more relaxed and so i used to have two of me and when i really started to allow myself to be vulnerable and allow myself to, you know, you know, this is going to be awkward. I'm going to take a risk and let's, let's try this. Let's go down this path or let's open up this door and it might not work, right? It might, it might flop. I, I, I've gotten way more comfortable with things not working, but by allowing the, the realness, I am more whole as a person. I don't have two of me. There's just me, right? And I try to bring this to whatever I'm doing, even when I'm not on stage, right? So on stage, sure, I'm trying to be vulnerable with my, with my music and with my words. 
and that that just that's so much energetically uh, better for me to do that. Even things like contracting, even things like negotiating with venues or trying to set up a gig or try to get hired by a festival. Uh, it's really neat to be in a more authentic space and a vulnerable space to say, here's what I do and it's different and it's not what you're used to. And if you, if you want to work together, great. And if you don't, that's okay. And I got way more comfortable with getting turned down, rejected, having things go horribly wrong. When I was younger and doing classical music, the, the myth was you had to be perfect. The deal was you are, you are judged and ranked on how perfect you are, right? You're literally numbered, right? Anybody that's been in an orchestra or a band knows what I'm talking about. Like your, your, chair, your chair number is how good you are. So first chair is the best, second chair is the second best, third chip, which is such bullshit. <laughs> it's not the way humans work. But that was the myth. That was the story that I bought into then. And I was like, oh, I have to be perfect. I have to do all my scales perfectly. And I have to hit every note perfectly. And if anything doesn't go perfectly, then I must be a bad person. I must be flawed somehow. And I must change myself. To be... No, 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 no. Now... I am so much more comfortable because what I've learned to be true is that mistakes happen. Things do go wrong regardless. And how cool to be more at ease with that and say, you know what? That's okay. So I encourage people like, go for it. Go for it and be okay with the no. Be okay with the no. In fact, if you're not getting a no recently and regularly, you're not trying hard enough. So keep at it. I love it. I love that advice. I'm curious if there's things you understand about the human mind and psychology that your average lay person probably hasn't realized. Oh, wow. I wonder. Well, one thing that's helped me is, is to, to be more, more present and, and aware of where my thoughts and my emotions are. Meditation, yoga, uh, walks in nature, those practices have helped me to be more self-aware. Back in the day, I was just a million miles an hour, right? I was, I was getting shit done, doing the task, doing the task, next text, next, next puzzle to solve, right? Next thing, next thing. I could fly through the day without really knowing what was going on in, in here or in here. I practice meditation and yoga and walks, uh, music, and, um, you know, even, even a, like ecstatic dance or, but there's lots of modalities that you can use to help you so that, so that I'll be a little more aware to go, oh, you know, actually I'm a little warm right now. And there's a little tingle in my, my right elbow and yep, I'm feeling the pressure of my butt on the chair here. And uh, I'm a little, my heart rate's a little elevated at the moment, right? Because I'm excited about this podcast. And um, I'm in a pretty good energetic mood today compared to what, right? So these are, these are the diagnostics that I'm, that I'm able to do now, whereas before I would have no clue. Diagnostics, what? I don't know what's going on with me. I'm just going along through life. 
And those diagnostics really help me. And, and music and is a beautiful, beautiful tool for that. And especially when you've got numerous things going on at once, right? So I'm, I'm a weirdo. I have, I'm doing live looping. I'm, I'm playing with myself. I'm, I'm laying down a layer and then I'm playing something on top of that and I'm playing on top of it. But, what I'm, but it's not just that I'm playing on top of what I've just done. It's that I'm listening to what I just did, right? So, and anybody that's in a band, you know what I'm talking about. The, the, the best flow as, as a whole is when you are listening as much as you're playing. I learned this from orchestra back when I was in these, these orchestras that had a hundred people in the orchestra, right? So I had to be listening to what the oboe was doing and what the trumpets were doing and what the cellos were doing so that I could blend in appropriately with that. So that is something that I, I encourage anybody is to have some practice where they are able more, more in tune with their own diagnostics, their, their headspace and their heart space with what's going on. That's helped me a lot. And especially these days, there's a freaking pandemic right now that is like, there's so many people sick, burnt out, emotionally just it's this this is a tough time there's a lot of people going through some tough 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 stuff right and so all the more reason to to do self-care and the the care for you will be different than the care for me and the best way to know what's right for you is to tune in with yourself and feel it how has your growth as an artist affected you as a person and your outlook on life it's been interesting. I've been very blessed. That, so I've been doing this full-time for 11 years now. And I've been very blessed to have a, a steady organic growth, right? So slow and steady. I'm, I'm not the viral dude. I'm a slow and steady. I just, I just am very persistent. I very persistently do the work and just hope for the best. And over time, I've been getting opportunities, right? So I've been getting steadily, slowly, more, more opportunities to play, maybe some cooler places to play, uh, you know, maybe more people show up. And so there has been a steady, steady growth. How has that affected my outlook on life? It's certainly validated the, the concept that, you know, if you, like, I, I've, I'm a firm believer in that, that persistence is, is more important than like talent. Like I hate the idea of people being, oh, as a natural born prodigy. Like I wasn't, no, I scratched and was awful sounding for years. Um, Amen. But, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but persistence, right. So my, my, my half joke with everybody is that anybody can play the violin. The first two years suck. That's the deal. For two years, it's awful. And then it, then it sounds good, right? So maybe your thing is not violin. Maybe your thing is whatever. If you want to write poetry, do photography, uh, if you want to you know, be a master plumber, whatever it is, like, but be okay with it being not good for a while. But if you, as long as you persist, you will get good at it. It's like the 10,000-hour uh, the rule. What I thought as a, as a vague concept then was that, you know, I think I can do this. I think, I think as long as I keep working at it consistently, then, then I'll actually be able to pay my bills and do this for a living, I think. 
Now I know it. I'm absolutely positive. In fact, even with the, the hardship, relative hardship of the last couple of years, I, I now, it's validated absolutely. It can be done. It can be done. You can do this for a living. It's not easy, but it can be done. Uh, I've, also, I've also been really delighted at the human spirit and the generosity of people. So I, I love doing what I do. And yes, 95% of it is here in the office on a laptop doing the, doing the spreadsheet stuff. But when I'm out um, and I'm at a concert and I'm meeting people, I consistently, regularly, constantly get, well, I share love. I'll put it that way. I'm putting my love out there musically, right? I'm putting my all out there and I, I get it back tenfold. I get so many people coming up to me after a concert that with just, you know, sometimes tears in their eyes and they're just like, oh my gosh, I, that moved me so much. And I'm never going to look at life the same way. And, you know, I'm a new fan. And, and that means so much to me. And then I feel positive things happen. I have seen people that have been inspired and then taken steps in their life to change them, right? People that were like, oh yeah, you know, I, I had thought about trying the violin and because I saw your concert, now I'm, now I'm doing it. So many people tell me how I helped them give themselves permission to be different, to, to try things out of their comfort zone uh, and to just level up. And that's, that's been so rewarding. It's been amazing. So I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world. <laughs> so, much, so much love for Dixon's violin. Dixon, you are one of the most generous artists. You, you open yourself up, you leave it all out there. And, uh, you know, as you said, it's your intention. It's so inspiring um, the way you lead by example. And yeah, Dixon, thank you for, for coming on here, for doing as you do on the Weird Music Podcast. And um, my final question for you here, Dixon, uh, any of your fans out there listening, uh, would you like to leave them with a, with a direct message from you to them? Trust. Trust. We're going to get through this. Trust in yourself. I believe strongly that 2022 is going to be awesome. I think we've got some tough stuff right now. And I trust it's going to get better. So hang in there. And I look forward to seeing you soon. There it is. Dixon's Violin. Check. Check out, so Dixon, where can we find you online? You got a website. I know you sell a really awesome bundle pack of recordings. You want to tell us a little bit about where we can find you? Yeah, dixonsviolin.com. Uh, and I'm excited now. I also just started having human kindness uh, t-shirts and hoodies um, for the first time ever. I've been doing this for 11 years and I finally, and I wanted them to have a positive message. I just, I didn't want to just have Dixon's Violin with like a logo. Um, I mean, yeah, it's on there, but in small letters, like the first message is human kindness. Human kindness is a concept that I'm trying to share. We are all human and let's be kind to one another. So dixonsviolin.com if you want to uh, check that out or my, my tour, whenever I'm touring again. Um, and I thank you, Cam. Thank you, Weird Music, for all you're doing supporting local music. I love you guys. You're doing such good work in the world and I appreciate you very much. All right, so now we've got Kevin here, six seven Kevin from this is a good sound. Kevin is a he's a he's a bit of a mascot 
of our scene. And he's also Dixon's Violin's manager. So starting this off, Kevin, you know, what is it that you do for all of us here? Just try to uh, make lives a little easier and a little more joyful. And, uh, you know, I learned a long time ago that not everyone can be good at everything. And if we were, we'd all be redundant. So uh, in the music world, I, I try to use my gifts and ability to connect others with others to ensure that artists can focus a little bit more on sharing their gifts on stage and ensuring that uh, people like Dixon's Wells uh, do not run dry. So what are the key things that you really delivered to do a great job as a manager? Consistency, uh, representing my artists' needs before mine, uh, being flexible, staying the course, uh, especially amid a global pandemic that's rapidly changing. Also be an idea man, you know, try to try to push the envelope by not simply doing what the industry is doing. But uh, as the world shut down, shuts down and says you can't perform live music safely, it's having a conversation with your artist. If you could share live music safely, if you could go to backyards or parks or urban farms or gardens or baseball fields and, uh, you know, just a willingness to be flexible and still learn no matter how much you think, you know. I love that. So on, and on top of, of booking and, and management, uh, Kevin, I know you also have a way with words. Can you tell us a little bit about some, some of these other hats you wear? For sure. Yeah. As a journalist, uh, a writer, and then eventually photographer, I've covered live music for almost 10 years now. Uh, originally, I ran around the scene with uh, one of the first totems. This is a good sign. And uh, through some organic moments that that created, uh, like Marcus Mumford giving me a shout out in front of, you know, 30,000 people or Scott Avett taking the good sign from my hand on stage. Uh, I, I started covering music and now I've done that for quite a while. And uh, one of the latest uh, tricks in my bag, I started writing artist bios, uh, you know, a way for me to one, uh, write more, which I'm always encouraging and trying to hold myself accountable to do, uh, two, to support artists and uh the nice the nice thing about writing artist bios is artists pay me in advance for them versus booking a show and sometimes having to wait a couple months for something that might get rescheduled for a couple months <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyone out there if you've seen this this is a good sign sign uh, <laughs> he, we have we have the man behind the sign here with us how do you describe what you do to people who maybe like uh, your cousin's cousin who doesn't really understand the music festival scene. Like when you tell them about, about this life you live and how, how really <laughs> passionate you are about music, like how does that conversation go? How do you describe the scene to people? It's really funny that you say that because for a long time, my family had no idea what I did and they thought I was insane. And to kind of write that ship, uh, my middle school basketball coach, Jack Hunger, who, after being an electrician for 30 years, he retired and he started managing a rock and roll band, the Gasoline Gypsies, uh, who I work with. And we were at a fall beer fest in Detroit one year and I gave him the totem and said, hey, I got to go pour beer. It's your turn to take a stroll. And he like panicked and was nervous at first, but he walked around the room and he just pretty much saw that the sign did all the work and he just had to say this, that, and people were just like so stoked. And so I asked him to, to write a piece about me that kind of looked at knowing me there in seventh and eighth grade, and then now seeing me all these years later, uh, 
walking a, a unique path, but generally seeing me grow up and into it. And uh, he wrote a really nice piece and he called it effort, attitude, enthusiasm, and love. And no matter what you do in this life, if you pour those things into it, any ecosystem is going to find a way to keep you. And that's what's happened with music. You know, I, I didn't know I was joining the circus, you know, 15 years ago, but um, I'm, I'm grateful I did. And it's an ever evolving and, and growing thing. And I think people that know me best know I'm, I'm doing a lot of things, but in all those things, just, just being solid and, and showing up um, and, you know, acknowledging that I don't always have great days, but that's not a reason not to be there tomorrow and trying to make up for whatever it was lacking in the previous. Over the years, I'm sure, you know, you've had to do a number of things that are not necessarily uh, you've been accustomed to doing, you know, wearing different hats, trying things that are uncertain and learning on the fly. So here we are now, years later, I'm curious, like, what are some of the things you've come to understand about life, about yourself, about uh, being a good person, a productive person that you think most people might overlook or misunderstand? I think most people fail to realize that there are small, subtle miracles that happen all the time that... uh, the difference between where you are today and where you hope your dreams come true at, it's not one choice, it's 5,000 choices. It's a day in, it's a day out. And uh, you know, the real prestige in all of it is just that showing up and that consistency and finding your tribe. And uh, you know, I, I don't play music, I don't read music. I never really intended to be on this path, but it called to me. Uh, it's kind of the hero's journey if you, talk to anyone who plays music it's it's something they have to do it's not really a a choice and I've always been drawn to where my energy feels like it's supposed to go and uh, most people aren't sure what they're doing at first but they keep their head on their swivel they ask for help they pay attention to those who already know how to do it better and when they see someone struggling they're they're kind enough to offer them advice and not be a dick about it because it probably wasn't too long ago where they were fumbling over the very thing and could be again soon. I love it, Kevin. So I'm about to ask the question. Uh, I'm sure many musicians out there have been waiting for me to ask, are you currently taking on any additional artists, any additional work? And if so, how can people get in touch with you? I welcome new artists uh, as As I go and grow, I ask for artists who want to work together to be more focused in their askings. Let's say they had a specific tour in mind, or they wanted to come to Michigan and set up a series of shows, or if there was a festival that they had always wanted to play. um, You know, uh, Dixon has the most unique relationship with me. Uh, There was a time during the pandemic when I was on retainer with Dixon for 40 hours a week. And, uh, you know, that's he's the only person who's ever showed me that type of love. And uh, just like all relationships, which you get in or you put into them, you get out of them. Uh, but, you know, if artists want, want to work with me, uh, the cool thing that's been happening recently, I've been writing bios. And I tell you what, like a booking agent is more apt to send a, 
a pitch to a place if he's the one who wrote your bio. And so far, every person's bio I've written has been added to my roster. And I've just really been in the middle of like a, a mass, you know, deep seating where I reach out to, I call it uh, the mothership, where it's like every concert series or something I've noted along the way. And now I'm like, hey, just in case you guys are still up and running in the crazy year of 2022, here's a lot of artists I work with, uh, you know, so uh, you know, find me on, go to thisisagoodsound.com, um, find me a good sign man or this is a good sound on Instagram or any of the socials. Uh, most find I'm pretty accessible and uh, that's probably a big part of when I talk about consistency, it's uh, communication. Uh, I studied communication in college. I got a master's in it. I don't think I needed a piece of paper to make me good at it or help me see what it is to be good at it, but being open to receive and dependable is a big part of all those things. Throughout our lives, on our journeys, we run into, into moments where we could use a helper or life itself presents us with some sort of, of friendly guide. And uh, Kevin, I consider you to be that, you know, in specific moments in our past, uh, for whatever reason, there you are right when I need you. And, and I, I imagine you're that way um, for many people. You know, you're a good sign, Kevin. And uh, anyone out there looking for a good sign, you know who to hit up. Much love. Final question. Anyone out there listening, just a uh, message from your heart to theirs. If you're still with us and you're still breathing, you have gone through a tremendous amount of hardships and obstacles over these last two and a half years. And I believe we're going through a shift, a major transition for the better. Obviously, anytime during a shift, it's still going to be hard and it's still going to get awkward. But I think the helpers and healers of this world are coming to light and arising. And within music, uh, within the music industry, a lot of those helpers and healers uh, have been fighting for a long time. So stay the course, uh, fight a little longer if you can, uh, but at the same time, don't don't completely hedge your bet, you know? It doesn't mean you can't take this little gig here or that little gig there, um, but just have faith it's changing for the better because, you know, the alternative is futile. And uh, if, you're, if you're breathing and got a heartbeat, we still got a chance together. The only path is forward. Onward and upward, my friend. Six, seven, Kevin. This is a good sign. This is a good sound. Much love, buddy. I'm sure I'll see you real yeah, soon. I look forward to it. Be well, brother. So we got Josh, motherfucking Goldfarb, puts on really fucking cool concerts with Side Stage Collective. He also works with Otherworld. Josh, I want you to tell us all about Side Stage, all about Otherworld. But also, Josh is a, a beatboxer uh, of a very uh, niche variety, uh, mm -hmm. making like almost similar to bass music. Um, with his, with his, what I say, with your mouth, what that mouth do? With, yeah, what that mouth do? So, so what that mouth do? This brings us into the effects of noise on man. Anyone watching in video can see Josh's lovely shirt there. So, Josh, mm -hmm. uh, why don't you take us through the effects of noise on man, and and we can start up this uh, this beatboxing sesh. What do you think? Yeah, I can give you a little lesson. A is for apple. B is for balloon. C is for crayons, and D is for drums. Yeah, 
Switch it up. Josh on the mic. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. So there you have it. If you yeah, see Josh like out early morning beatbox. Yeah, yeah. If you see him out at uh, 11 a.m., definitely buy <laughs> this man a beer and ask him to put it put him on the spot with some with yeah. some beats. If you see me out and about before 11 a.m., it's my doppelganger or my twin because I'm I'm not usually up this early. So Josh, you started Side Stage Collective with Dakota Shaffley. That's kimono dog the producer um why don't you take us through your guys thought process in in the origin of side stage yeah i mean dakota and i have actually known each other since um high school we went to high school together uh hilliard davidson high school uh, in hilliard ohio and um we knew of each other we were we were like aware of each other but we weren't really close um he was in a band and i used to go to like all the band shows and like set up smash bros in like the side room um and just like chill and uh we we found this mutual love of, as you mentioned earlier, your bass music in our college years. And through that, we bonded and became really close and started going to all these shows all over the country together, like traveling all the way out to Colorado to Red Rocks to see shows. Um, and so we, we really just, you know, bonded over that. Um, and then, yeah, he started DJing and I went to recording school to learn more about like live audio production and um, getting into, yeah, just that side of things. And so coming out of school um, and with him learning how to DJ, we were like, you know, we both kind of always wanted to have our own thing. You know, we don't know what this thing is yet, but we know we want to do something with our passions. So how can we do this uh, together? So we started just like reaching out to some of our other friends who were into similar things like, um, like lighting or uh, lasers or visuals or DJing or producing music, beatboxing, little fringe kind of arts, but kind of like party stuff um, and got everybody together. And we had our first show on my brother and I's birthday uh, in 2017. So it's been just about five years now. We'll be coming up on our fifth anniversary here in three months. And yeah, it's just a collective of uh, dreamers who like to make loud sounds and uh, get people excited. From the outside looking in, you know, it's it seems like an awesome operation hodgepodge of, of like minded individuals. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know more about what the behind the scenes consist of. 
I do a lot of the graphic design myself. So like the art branding is like really tight. We try to keep it super consistent. Um, I'm really interested in glitch art and kind of like these like textured artifacts when it comes to um, visuals. So that's kind of what I incorporate into a lot of our um, like graphics for our shows, like the promotional materials. And then as well as um, like the visuals for the shows, we work um, pretty consistently with this guy named Billy, um, who's part of Synesthetic Oil Spill out of the um, Bowling Green, like Dayton area. And um, he does this really cool, it's an old school psychedelic visual art where you take an overhead projector and you take these colored oils and you, um, you know, mix up the colors and you spin it on a platter and you record that in real time and project it. And uh, so I send him some of my own glitch art ahead of time as like reels that he'll then um, pull from and sample from and remix live during the shows. And that's our like visual component. I also bring CRT TVs to all of our shows. That's something that we have kind of become a staple of our shows for better or for worse. Um, it's a really cool aesthetic. It's a pain in the ass to haul to every show. Um, but that's, that's something we started doing. It's um, a vibe. During, yeah, thank you. Uh, it's something that sets us apart, which I think is important when you're an underground promoter or like an underground artist of sorts. You know, you have to have something that kind of sets you apart from the competition and um, makes it special. And that's definitely one of our things. Um, we started doing that. Uh, it was Halloween. Um, we didn't have any, the old venue we um, hosted shows at didn't have any kind of production. It was not set up for like that style of a show at all. It was an old rock bar. So you would go in, you would, you know, set up your amps, you would, you know, riff on your guitars and sing for a bit, and then you would pack up and go. There wasn't any um, kind of foresight as far as a larger production. And coming from the bass music world and the festival world, like I've been working festivals um, for the last like seven years of my life. Um, coming from that world and seeing that scale of production, like I knew when I wanted to do something that I wanted to grow to that level of production one day, or at least have that focus so that there's something for everybody. When you come to one of our shows, you know, um, you might come for the music, you might come for the visuals, you might come for the lasers, you might come for the artists. We have live artists and vendors at every single one of our shows as well. Um, so it truly is like something where everyone can find something that they enjoy. Can you take me through more deeply your ultimate vision with side stage? What I would love to see with it is it to keep growing for uh, us to maybe do like a tour of sorts where we can expand into other cool. cities with other promoters or other like-minded people to kind of bring that level of production and that kind of level of artistry to underground art and underground events um, just to kind of elevate those artist platforms because that's what it's about. Like that, that was the, the, you know, origin of it was trying to get these people who have these passions onto a platform. So if we can kind of spread that into different cities and like help other people accomplish similar goals, then that's like, that's the tops for me. Like that's really all I can ask for. Um, but yeah, who knows that, that I think will stay consistent, but other parts of it may come and go shift. Um, Cause you know, things are always evolving, always changing. You just got to roll with it. So Josh, a lot of people listening to this are, are musicians. They, people who put on shows work behind the scenes in music. Sure. You have a very, uh, central role you're kind of the intermediary between the artist and the show itself what are some principles that you've learned along the way that are essential in in putting on a really great show that maybe other promoters or musicians could learn from i think it's yeah really important to be looking at what other promoters or other um, individuals in your industry are doing in your area 
um, and kind of picking out what you like that they do and what you don't like that you think you could do maybe differently or better. Um, and one thing that I've learned over the years is just to like always put people first. Um, I think that especially with um, like the modern climate, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, with the modern climate of especially like COVID right now and hosting events, like it's really dicey and you have to just, you know, uh, not, not put yourself, your show or like your profit over people. Um, you have to kind of um, keep them in mind with everything that you do. And I think that, that ultimately will, you know, help you grow your community and keep going forward. That's my biggest tip. And what about with like uh, ticket selling? If you're selling something that you think is worth <laughs> the ticket price, then it's not, it's not an inverse because you're, you know, you have to, there's a cost that you're putting into it. So you hope to receive it. And I find that people who think that your stuff is worth it will, you know, um, pay to support you um, and to receive that kind of an experience. So I think if you're, yeah, you're providing a good product then people will pay it. Um, but yeah, I mean, also just like keeping your ticket costs low, uh, like not overcharging for things, you know? Um, I have like spreadsheets that I run for like every single one of our shows, you know, an expense sheet where it's like, all right, this is how much we're paying for art. This is how much we're paying for production. This is how much we're paying for venues, promotions, all this shit. Uh, and then you add it all up and you basically take like your average crowd size that you anticipate based on the bill and you kind of just charge that. And anything more is where you start to get into, you know, some dicey water. Anything under is where you risk losing on a show. But like, I'd always rather take an L um, financially and know that I like provided something um, beneficial experientially. Cause there's a lot more um, when it comes to hosting events than finances. Yeah. So you're not doing this to like outright make money. You're doing this for other no. reasons. If I did, if I did it because I was in it for the money, I would have been out of it after year one. So tell me more about your inspiration behind driving this thing. I mean, it's just something I love doing. I like getting people together and I've seen firsthand like the, the benefits of, uh, especially with like low frequency sound, getting people into a space, um, having high amplitude, low frequency sound, getting everyone on the same wavelength and just letting people have a safe and fun environment to express themselves in. Um, I think that that's like transformative and to be able to kind of provide that experience to people is ultimately something that I like can't imagine life without. So to be able to provide that for people and be that kind of conduit for that experience is like, that's, that's just what I want to do. I, I want to kind of put a pin in that. You, you bring up the phrase low frequency sound. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm curious to, I want to tap into your brain about like, like what you've come to experience that can be so profound about low frequency sounds yeah, and really just, just music in general. Yeah, I have a book that I think you'd find really interesting. It's called um, Base Bodies and the Materiality of Sonic Experience. Um, yeah, you you would jizz your pants over it. Um, but it's uh, it's really good. And um, just, I mean, through my experiences, like uh, going to primarily bass music shows over the last like 10 years of my life, um, you feel it. You know, it's a physical um, music. It's, it's not like other styles of music where you go in, you listen to it, you nod around a little bit, and then you go home. Like you go, you feel it. It kind of envelops you. It shakes your whole body. Um, there's, there's a lot to, to base. Like we, depending on how deep you want to go into this, Let's go. Um, you want to go. All right, cool. I mean, there's theories even saying that like, uh, from the earliest 
forms of life, you know, gestation in your in your mother's belly, like the first kind of exposure you have uh, pre-consciousness to sound is bass because it's your mother's heartbeat reverberating through your body. So there's like theories that say that that's why humans are so infatuated with low frequency sound and bass music. Um, like why that 808 kick drum really just kind of like, you know, has that wow factor with a lot of people. Right. Um, so like, I mean, there's theories like that. There's, uh, there's all kinds of cool stuff that can happen when you're aware of sound around you, especially, um, sub frequencies, like, uh, you know, that feeling of being in a room and it's like maybe a dark basement and you feel like something's watching you like a, a spirit or something from the corner, you know, um, lots of people kind of describe that phenomena. Well, uh, there's another theory that, uh, that's basically just a resonant frequency, um, sub frequencies that you can't perceive, you can't hear it, but your body is attuned to picking it up. It's still affecting you. Um, and that's one of the cool things about bass is that, uh, it precedes perception. You're already being affected by it by the time that you are aware of it, which I think is really powerful. Um, because it's something that kind of grounds you and brings you into the now you can't like get too caught up in worrying about it or analyzing it because you're already kind of under its effect. Um, which I think from a sonic perspective is just really rad. Wow. I never considered that. I've, I've been diving into books that, that are making bridges between psychology and music. Um, mm -hmm. I have come, never come across anything relating to being in, in the womb and having the heartbeat mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's very just, yeah, interesting. That's one of those theories that like, I, you know, I hear it and I'm like, yeah, I could see that. You know, I don't yeah. know how much weight, weight I put into it, but yeah, I mean, totally there's, there's all kinds of experiences that we have with sound that we don't really um, necessarily think about or that preceded our perception. And it's kind of difficult to wrap your mind around it until you have it, you know, kind of told back to you. I was talking with Chris the other day and he, he was like, uh, we were having like a thought experiment and he, he was advocating that it's possible music could have effects on people who were, who are deaf because mm, yes, the 100%. cell talk to me about what, what you think about that. I mean, it's totally true. Um, I've heard of studies. I'm, I'm not super like well-versed in the actual studies themselves. Like I couldn't name like an author or a specific uh, college. So I, I regret that, but I do know for a fact that you could get on Google right now and type in that question and find the answer that yes, it does indeed help in therapeutic settings with individuals with, um, yeah, with a lack of hearing, like deaf individuals, um, because they can still feel it. Like what I was talking about earlier, you know, it precedes that perception. There's no um, like mediary when it comes to interpretation of sound. Like it's just, especially with low frequency sound, it's it's vibration. It's the air just, you know, getting all wavy and groovy and hitting you. Um, so like their, their body still works, their nervous system still works. They can still feel it, that pressure and those differentials in the air hitting them. Um, so yeah, totally. And it, it vibrates them. It's a massage for your whole body, especially if the sound's high enough, if the amplitudes are high enough, it's shaking everything. You know, we've all been in a, in a club or in a building where it's, there's a loud show going on and some shit starts to fall off the walls, you know, imagine what that's doing to your body. So you liken so, bass music akin to, to like a hot tub with the jets on a little mm -hmm. bit. And that same feeling of just sitting in front of the jets <laughs> and just, yeah, getting blasted by it. Yeah. I mean, you see that when you see people up in front of the subwoofers, just like hugging them, you know, it's like the same, same kind of joy. So Josh, you, your earplugs in. It, yo, Facts. You got to have those earplugs in. 
if you're yes, if you get anything first. from this, get some freaking earplugs, some yeah, good practice, ones. Don't lose practice them. Practice safe hearing, especially if you're going to be up in front of the speakers. Don't be a yeah. goon. Uh, definitely want to preach that to anybody who's either just getting into this or hasn't been in it too long already. Just come on, man. Just put in some earplugs. Get some high fidelity ones so you can still hear it. So you got a show coming up at the Summit Music Hall. That's on yep. uh, January 28th. Yeah, so that's going to be um, our first show of 2022. So I'm super stoked on it for multiple reasons. That being one of them. Second of all, it's kind of just like a big like homey fest, like a return for a lot of our friends. Um, Feelmonger, the direct support for that show, is going to be uh, coming back. He he lives in the Raleigh area, Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, we brought him out in 2018 or 2019, I want to say, and he was our first sold out show. Um, so he's direct supporting our friend, Elanthropy, Stephen, um, who just moved out to Colorado. So this is his first time back with us. Um, but he's an incredible bass music producer as well. Really awesome at fusing like these like kind of like classic rock and psychedelic sounds um, with drum and bass and kind of this ethereal floating kind of um, sustained bass frequency. Um, so anyone who comes to the show is you know, in, in for a treat just with those two alone. But then we have like three of my favorite local producers, um, Kimono Dog, our resident and my partner in all of this. Um, and uh, Shatter, who is an experimental bass producer. Um, he's also just like number one homie. Like he's been around since like day one with this project uh, and then Sloth Love. So, I mean, we have like literally three of my favorite local you know, movers and shakers, plus these two guys who are long-term friends with, of ours and just like repeated acts that um, we've brought in the past that everyone really enjoyed. So it's going to be one of those bills where, you know, people are coming from all over and connecting just for this one night and it's going to be dope. Well, all right. This is Josh Goldfarb. You'll definitely uh, have a return appearance from Josh, you, you Weird Music podcast listeners. I got a closing question for you. What are some common nuanced styles like nerd out with me for a second what are what are common trends and qualities that are consistent uh across different types of your favorite songs uh, or artists mm -hmm. yeah uh, i like to describe my favorite music as equal parts groove and weight that's like a phrase that i'll like toss around a lot um because i find that it's really good at like differentiating from like the really like aggressive styles of like bass music that are really popular these days um, and kind of bringing it back to like more of a subdued kind of subtle role. Um, and that's kind of the, that's the kind of sound that I gravitate towards. Um, I really like when something like is heavy and it has that presence where you're aware of it, but also is like kind of like soothing and like soulful and kind of funky, you know, um, I also really like complex like sound design, like really weird sounds, like just kind of like if you could just you know get into the studio and just experiment around and capture like a few of the weirdest sounds you've come up with like it could just be like a really distorted fart sound that you've just kind of like ripped and teared apart and then you like find a cool way to present that um like i'm really into that shit uh i really like noise as my you know shirt and like most of what i've talked about priority suggests um but yeah i mean anything that's kind of just like pushing that boundary maybe is like textured or kind of complex um sprinkled in with some yeah some low frequency presence i'm, I'm about it vibes all right closing <laughs> vibes, this thing yeah. out josh goldfarb is one of the pillars of like friendliness and welcoming energy here Likewise. in columbus scene i love josh um 
side stage collective we're including a link to the show to get a ticket to the show at the summit on the 28th in the description here and yeah if you're looking for experimental shit that like josh said equal parts groove weight whatever that means to you a lot of awesome people at these side stage shows um and if you're listening to this from outside of columbus you heard him talking about his uh tour idea so maybe maybe you could uh loop him over to your city man much love and thank you and i'll see you soon love you man thank you again you made it this far thank you for listening and a big thank you to our sponsors hemp relief cbd sem tickets devil wind brewing and artillery productions we got links in the description below go check out all the awesome stuff they've got going on and Yeah, much love, everyone.